This is Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. The show will start in three, two, one. Welcome, everybody, to Nightmares of the Americas, Indigenous Tales. I'm Joseph. And I'm Gabriel. How you doing today, Gabe? I'm doing great, man. I am doing fantastic. Furious, funk, fabulous, fantastic. All the things. Yeah. yeah. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I mean, you know, just another day, another <clears throat> dollar the tax man takes from me. <laughs> another Stupid day, another government. dollar out of, out of my pocket. Yeah, for sure. But we're doing pretty good, so I got all our meals prepared for the week. Oh, cool. Like you made them already? Yeah, they're in my head. So, Oh, oh, like a menu. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we're not going to follow through with any of it because. Yeah, we don't even ever do that. We plan (laughs) and then we go, oh, man, the chicken's bad. And then I'm like, well, let's go get a fresh one. We'll write it all down and we're like, well, I don't really want that tonight. And then Monique's like, yeah, me neither. Let's make something else. And I'm like, okay. I don't get my family choices. See, that's where you mess up. I just make it and say, that's your fault. You're going to eat We're it. We're having sloppy Joes on. on. Extra sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you would please follow us on any major podcasting platform that you listen to us on, it would be amazing. It really helps us out. And if you would like to leave a review, that also helps us out. And it's free. All you have to do is just click on the thing, leave a review, just a comment, something nice to say, or you can just say cheese and crackers like some people have said before. Yeah, we've got a couple of those. And give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. And if you want a free sticker, all you have to do is screenshot that rating, send it to info at beholdnetwork.com with your alias and your mailing address, and we'll shoot you out a free sticker. And that goes to the United States of America and Canada. (laughs) They're just called Canada. I looked it up. They're just called Canada. Oh, just boring old Canada. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they (laughs) they got some good cheesy, goopy fries. Poontine. Ugh. Oh, it's bomb, I've dude. Pictures, Shut though. up, Gabe. Weird. You're dumb. We've been eating so many terrible things in our life before. We have. You would go there and be like, oh my gosh, look, look at this. This is so delicious. I'm like, yeah, we gained 300 pounds just like <laughs> looking at it. I'm, oh my God, I'm drooling right now. Just is that, so good. <laughs> is that the one with like the gravy on it? Fries and gravy. Yeah, I don't know. It's You're telling delicious. me brown gravy and fries doesn't sound good? I mean, I'm a wiener snitchel guy, so. And then they put then they put cheese uh, cheese curds on it, the squeaky cheese. Oh, okay, I'm sold. Oh, squeaky cheese, and then oh really man, yeah, they do everything. They have poutine trucks. I was in um, where was that? Poutine. Newfoundland. Poutine. New Newfoundland. That's what they're <laughs> called. I was there, and we were outside of the bar, and man, there was just trucks everywhere, and I'm like, what is this wonderfulness? And everyone's drunk, just talking to each other. But they were trying to get my cigarettes off of me, and I was like, bro. Oh. You only gave me 19 in a pack. Pack's usually 20. (sighs) (laughs) I think your government took your cigarette from you, because you're not bumming anything off of me. That was in like the early 2000s. What? Yeah, aren't there like no more menthol? Oh, yeah, but they would take a cigarette from you. There would be an empty hole. Like when you open the pack, one would be gone. Oh, see, I don't stand for that at all. Damn and at the time, I lived in North Carolina, and cigarettes were only two fifty. Back in <laughs> my day, they were two fifty. Cigarettes were two fifty and a handshake. And then that two fifty, and then they'd give you an ashtray. They're like, "Hey, sir, you need one of these when you leave." And I'm all, "I do need one of those." You're right. What a nice man. 
His old, my yeah. mama raised me right. His mama made to raise him right. His mama, she did raise him right. Where did all these people come from? It was just all, everyone's just so friendly. They are. And then I went to Canada, and they were like, "Oh, hey, that'll be uh twelve dollars." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, well, got to like smoke." Fifteen now, or a lot. Grabbed the pack, opened it up, and I'm like, "You guys ripped me off." Mm. But anyway, that was a long story, just to say, yeah, uh, French fries and gravy, pretty bomb. <laughs> Take your word for it. There you go. So go ahead. You get a free sticker out of that. And also, if you would please follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Indigenous underscore Tales for all your extra needs. We have a lot of followers on Instagram right now and TikTok, and that's where we did our latest giveaway. Yeah. So if you guys want to get on the giveaways, you got you to follow, you got to like, you got to share, you got to do all the stuff just so you can get in the giveaways. And it's all random, and we got three lucky winners. So congratulations mm-hmm. to them again. And pretty soon we'll, we'll maybe do a giveaway, probably, I don't know, a month or two or something like that, get back in the spirit. And we'll probably have one again. We should probably do one again right before Christmas, like November-ish like a, or something. Like a fall giveaway or something yeah just so if you guys you know it'd be our christmas gift to you Mm -hmm. okay we're gonna get to the episode so today we're gonna go a little south a little further south than normal we're gonna go to bolivia gabe you ever been to bolivia i'm excited you ever been there no i haven't gone anywhere i need to travel no this is this is the part of the show where you lie you go oh Oh, yeah so me and uh me and frederick rutherford the (laughs) third Yeah, we own a, pro, a couple of houses down there. The great Bolivian um, dictator himself. No, like, whoa, 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 <laughs> calm down. <laughs> so today we're going to be going to Bolivia, and we're talking about El Theo. Hmm. So El Theo is believed in Quero Rico, Potois, y <laughs> Bolivia, <laughs> to be the lord of the underworld. There are many statues of this devil-like spirit in the mines of Quero Rico. El Tio is believed to rule over the mines, simultaneously offering protection and destruction. Some figures are in the shape of a goat. So this is a a devil that's called Mr. Touchy Uncle. So this guy's in the shape of a goat or a devil. And the picture of the devil, um, it needs to be PG. So uh, we'll post a picture. We're going to have to put a big old giant... uh, Star or thumbs, thumbs down, down thumbs down over his uh his genitalia region because for some reason they have this guy looking like he's packing. Yeah, he's uh, he's scary. <laughs> I mean, you any anyone look at him and go, oh no, no, sir, calm down. That's too much. So according to legend, in about 1462, Hayana Kappa, the 11th Sapa Inca of the Incan Empire set out to tour the south of his realm. The Altiplano of modern Bolivia, where much of the silver was mined. There, he saw a mountain of Quero Rico. And admiring its beauty and grandeur, he said, speaking to those that were in his court, this doubtless must have much silver in its heart. Whereby, he subsequently ordered his vassals to go to the mountain and work the mines and remove from them all the rich metal. They did so, And having brought their tools of flint and reinforced wood, they climbed the hill, and after having probed for its veins, they were about to open those veins when they heard a frightening, thunderous noise, which shook the whole hill. And after this, they heard a voice Mm. which said, Do not take the silver from this hill, because it is destined for the masters. 
Amazed at hearing this reasoning, the Incan people in their purpose and returned to the Inca, telling him what had happened. Relating the occurrence in, in, its, in their own language, on coming to the word noise, they said, Potokisi which means there was a great thunderous noise. And from that, it was later derived, corrupting a letter, the name Potosi. So they took out the C and then made their own word. The Spanish did. Hmm. So Bolivia is landlocked country of West Central South America, extending some 950 miles north-south and 800 miles east-west. Bolivia is bordered to the north and the east by Brazil, to the southeast by Paraguay, to the south by Argentina, to the southwest and west by Chile, and to the northwest by Peru. So I'm one of the people who say Chile because I hate when white people go, oh, have you been to Chile? Chile. And I'm like, just shut up. Just stop doing that real quick. Like, you don't really, I don't, don't do that. Ch- Chile. Chile. I'm so like, it's chili because chili. I eat chilies and they're chilies. So you can say whatever you want. It just bothers me. So I'm not going to say it. The okay. west half of the country is dominated by the huge Andes Mountains with steep slopes and snow-capped peaks. Sandwiched between the Andes Mountains chain is the a high plateau where almost half the population lives. Founded in 1545 as a mining town, Potosi soon produced fabulous wealth, and the population eventually exceeded 200,000 people, making it one of the largest cities in the world during the 1600s. The rich mountain wow. produced an estimate 60% of all silver mined in the world during the second half of the 16th century. So, I mean, they were doing it. I'll believe that, oh, man. It's, uh, I got pictures. <laughs> it's a lot of death. That's what I mean. It's, yeah, it's, it is. we're going to get into this. We're going to get into these people that lived in this area, the Quechua people, and what their life was like before the Spanish conquistadors and after to present day. So before the arrival of the Spanish conquistadors, the Andrian region that is now Bolivia was home to various indigenous cultures, including the Quechua. These pre-Columbian societies developed sophisticated agricultural techniques, terrace farming, and unique cultural practices. While the Incan Empire's influence extended parts of present-day Bolivia, the region was also inhabited by a various smaller indigenous groups with their own language and traditions. Because the Incan Empire was another one of those empires, kind of like the Aztec and the Mayans. They literally just took over everything. (laughs) So when we talk about the Incan Empire was here, well, that doesn't mean they're all Incan, just like the Aztecs. They weren't all Aztec. The Aztec conquered all kinds of other tribes. The Mayans Mm -hmm. did the same thing. So when the Inca took over, they took over all these smaller tribes in present-day Bolivia, and the Quechua was one of them. They practiced farming using a combination of innovative techniques, that were adapted to the challenging Andes environment. These farming methods were designed to address the steep slopes, varying altitudes, and different microclimates found in the region. So this area, like if you look at pictures, we'll post pictures of the Andes Mountains or Andreas Mountains, whatever they're called, Andean. And it's literally like crazy, dude. There's like these steep, giant, it looks like just green mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen them. Super they're, steep, all this crazy cool. stuff. And they cut out all these, they cut out levels and they practice terrace farming. So terrace farming was a fundamental technique used by these people. And they created these stepped platforms on hillsides to create flat areas for planting crops. 
They help prevent soil erosion, retain moisture. They were able to utilize more land effectively. So terraces slow down the movement of water down slopes, reducing erosion caused by rainfall. This helped preserve fertile topsoil and prevent it from being washed away. Terraces captured and retained water, creating a controlled irrigation system. Water flowed gradually through each level, ensuring that crops receive consistent moisture without flooding. The orientation of terrace allows crop to re- crops to receive optimal sunlight exposure. The angles of each terrace maximizes the amount of sunlight each crop receives. By breaking up the slopes into steps, terraces help prevent soil from sliding down during heavy rainfall or other disturbances because they kind of don't think of it like steps. Think of it like steps angled back. Yeah. So this, the land's not completely flat. It's at a slightly downward angle where the water will flow to the backside of the soil. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of creates this little water drainage system that goes to the next level, then goes to the next level. So all the land is equally watered. Terrace fields create usable space on steep slopes that would otherwise be difficult or impossible to cultivate. This increases the amount of land available for agriculture. There was also a wide variety of crops with different growth requirements, allowing farmers to cultivate multiple crops in a smaller area. In regions with varying altitudes, terrace fields provided opportunities for cultivating different crops in different elevations, thus utilizing the diverse microclimates present in their area. They skillfully constructed terraces using local materials, often utilizing stones or earth. The terraces could be quite elaborate, featuring intricate irrigation systems and retaining walls to ensure stability. They also practice vertical farming. Polyculture, or the practice of growing multiple crops together, was a common strategy. By cultivating a variety of crops in the same field, they were able to reduce the risk of crop failure due to pest diseases or adverse weather conditions. It also helped maintain soil fertility. So these people grew potatoes. They were a staple crop for the people. They cultivated numerous varieties of potatoes adapted to different altitudes and climates. They were a reliable source of carbohydrates and could be stored for long periods of time, making them an important food for the people. Corn was also a crucial crop. It was used to make various dishes, including corn-based foods like fermented maize beverage, kicha, and different types of maize bread. That's like alcohol, huh? Yeah, that's another booze, corn booze drink. Yeah, Quinoa is a high-protein grain that was cultivated by the people. It was an important source of nutrition and was valued for its adaptability to different altitudes. I like quinoa. I don't know if you like quinoa. I don't think I've ever had it. Oh, quinoa salads, and we used to eat quinoa instead of um, like rice and stuff like oh, that. I'm thinking of, good. Uh, what's that other? Arugula. I get those that two is, mixed that up. Is, <laughs> that looks nothing alike. I don't know why I get them mixed up. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's that's weird. Watermelon. <laughs> Water, yeah. I thought you were talking about bananas. Like bananas, quinoa, same thing. Same family. There you go. <laughs> they also grew beans as a source of protein and nutrients. Uh, different bean varieties were cultivated, and they were often used in combination with other crops to create balanced diets. They would also grow this plant called oak or tuber called an oka. Hmm. It was often used in stews, soups, and other dishes. Another tuber was aluco, and it provided a lot of substance because it was really dense. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, came comes in various colors, and they also use that in stews and all kinds of other dishes. Cool. Another crop was amaranth. It was a grain-like crop, and it was cultivated for its seeds, and the seeds are really high in protein. Ooh. Another thing was coca leaves. Oh. Uh, they were traditionally cultivated. By the Quechua people, 
uh, for their cultural and medicinal significance. They were often chewed or used to make tea. Coca leaves are typically small and elliptical in shape with a glossy green color. They contain various alkaloids, including cocaine, Mm -hmm. which is the most well-known of these compounds. However, the concentration of cocaine in coca leaves is relatively low to the purified drug. It is illegal in the United States. Yes. It's a it's a controlled substance. So if you have coca leaves, you will go straight to jail unless you are part <laughs> of a political family um, that has something to do with some kind of administration. I don't know. And then you can do whatever the hell you want and you won't go to jail. But me and you, brown people, you know, we'll go to jail. I'll just dress like so. Sherlock Holmes. I'm a method actor, sir. That's all. Yeah. I'm practicing as the first fam. I mean, uh, the, um, the uh, allegedly... Uh, we're not going to get into that. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I could go on a rant. See, everyone thinks they're they're all different, both sides. They say left wing, right wing. Still the same bird. Yeah. Squash and pumpkins. So they would love squash and pumpkins. They were grown, and they would eat their seeds, and they would eat the, what do you call it, meat? Uh, pumpkin the meat? Pumpkin. The guts. Fruit. Oh, no. The guts. The pumpkin guts. <laughs> they would eat pumpkin guts, yeah. and they were delicious. <laughs> pumpkin seeds are The amazing. flesh. Pumpkin, oh, I love pumpkin seeds. Squash seeds, yeah. I love all kinds of seeds. And then I just love pumpkin and squash. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's why I like, I'm a, you guys know from last year, I'm telling you, what? it's pumpkin spice season pump- coming up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'll put pumpkin spice in my, I'll just get, put some pumpkin spice in my beer. So what do you, that's a Coors pumpkin spice. <laughs> so that's disgusting. It is, but I have to get in the season. <laughs> some Merlot pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice Cheerios. Pumpkins. Where? What are we having? We're having barbecue sandwiches. Pumpkin spice edition. <laughs> oh, Daddy, I hate this time of the year. You're gonna like it. Turn everybody into a pumpkin. I don't do all that, but I do like pumpkin spice. <laughs> fruits were not really widely cultivated as a staple crop, but they did grow a lot of fruits: strawberries, indigenous berries, lucuma. It was a native fruit in that area. It has a unique flavor and was used in both culinary and medicinal purposes. Gandida is a type of passion fruit that was grown. The seeds and pulp are edible and have a very sweet taste. Mm. There's also this fruit called a tumbo, and it says banana passion fruit. Tumbo. Well, it's a hybrid. I guess. Interesting. If it grows in the Andes and it has a tangy flavor with the aromatic quality that's made it a very um, sought after fruit. Hmm. Mangoes, of course. You got to have some mangoes. Man, I love some oh, mangoes. Yeah, mangoes. They're so delicious. good. And they also grew a bunch of medicinal plants that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to get into. But they had a bunch of plants. <laughs> awesome. Where it didn't rain all the time, so with limited rainfall, the Quechua people developed ir- intricate irrigation systems. They channeled water from natural sources such as rivers, streams, and springs to their fields using a network of canals, ditches, and terraced fields. This allowed them to provide constant moisture to their crops. Given the high altitude and seasonal variations, the Quechua people developed techniques to store crops. They used underground storage chambers, known as colaquas, <laughs> mm. to store surplus harvest. These structures helped protect food from the harsh climates and preserved it for consumption during lean times. They use organic materials like bird droppings and other natural substances to fertilize and enrich the soil to improve its fertility. Hmm. So that was a lot about their food. Pre, this is all pre-colonial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is all 1500 and earlier. Before we messed up all the fruit 
changed everything. Yeah, all the HMOs and DMOs and PPOs and GMOs <laughs> and all the O's. Before all the O's. Yeah. Well, because I know like strawberries look really weird. Bananas look really weird. Like original bananas. Well, not if you find wild strawberries. What do you mean? If you if you find wild strawberries, they don't look weird? No, they don't look weird. They look weird. I, no, they don't. I, Go to Mike. Oh, you've never been to Georgia. In them. Michael's backyard, they have a bunch of like just naturally wild strawberries just grow. Oh, really? Yeah, he's all. I'm all. What are those? He goes. Oh, those strawberries. I'm all. Why? And he goes. <laughs> they just grow there. And I'm all. Well, you don't know Mike. Mike or you know Mike. He'll just grab seeds and just throw them in his backyard. And go. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So I don't see. I could see him just dumping a bunch of strawberries and just going. They'll grow. Watch. And then it's Georgia, so it's so humid and and just you know the soil is so rich that it's gonna grow. Yeah, you can grow anything. Over there. Not like here, you dump something in the backyard here, and then two days later it's on fire because our you know it's so hot that it just bursts into flames. Yeah, or it just turns into a cactus, cacti. Yep, and then we eat it. <laughs> yeah, because those are pretty good too. So going into their religion and traditions, Quechua people have a deep intertwined worldview. And connection to the natural world. Their belief and practices have evolved over centuries, reflecting their interaction with the Andean landscape, the spiritual realm, and the understanding of the cosmic realm. Ooh. It's important to remember that they were in contact with the Incas. Mm-hmm. And the Incas were this tribe. We'll do the Incas some other time. But these ancient cultures, they were real into like the stars and the sky. Yeah. And they could they could track time and space and i mean i think they knew way more about this than us yeah they were really in tune with the stars aliens <laughs> quecha religion beliefs is the concept of pachamama often translate to mother earth pachamama is not just a physical entity but a spiritual force that sustains life and is interconnected with all living beings they believe in a reciprocal relationship with pachamama where offerings of ritual are performed to maintain harmony and balance. Pachamama is seen as a cosmic and living, life-giving force that sustains all existence. She is regarded as a living entity, not just a physical representation of the earth. She provides the resources needed for life, including fertile soil, water, and nourishment. They believe that humans are connected to Pachamama and all living beings in a reciprocal relationship. Just as Pachamama provides uh, for them, they must respect and care for the earth to maintain harmony and balance. You know, like we don't do today, they they did that stuff. Like the opposite <laughs> of what we do, that's what they do. Yeah. To honor Pachamama and maintain this reciprocal relationship, the Quechua people perform rituals to make offerings. These offerings can include coca leaves, food, and other symbolic objects. Rituals are conducted to express gratitude, seek blessings, and ensure a fruitful harvest. Certain natural sites, like the mountains, lakes, and rock formations, are considered particularly sacred manifestations of Pachamama's presence. These sites are often used in rituals, ceremonies, and offerings. Pachamama's connection to agriculture is fundamental. They believe that successful farming and abundant harvesting are directly tied to the respect and relationship of Pachamama. Agricultural rituals are performed to seek her blessings and to ensure a fruitful crop. Pachamama, she's not limited to the physical earth, but also connected to the cosmos. She is seen as part of the greater cosmic balance with other celestial bodies like the sun, the moon, and stars playing roles in this intricate relationship. So they don't only believe that they're in reciprocal relationship with the earth and with Pachamama, but Pachamama is also in a reciprocal relationship with the rest of the stars, the sun, the moon, and everything else in the cosmic realm. Mm -hmm. 
Like everything's just connected. That's so cool. And everything is balanced. Mm -hmm. Pachamama's teachings emphasize resilience and adaptability, reflecting the Quechua people's ability to navigate the challenges of their environment and retain their cultural heritage. Because remember, these people, they're in the mountains. So everything's a challenge. Right. And the resilience through their belief, it gets them through everything. There's also other various deities and spirits associated with the natural elements, mountains, rivers, and other features of landscapes. Inti, the sun god, Mama Kila, the moon goddess, are some of the other important deities. Apus, or mountain spirits, also holds a significant spiritual role. The religious practices involves rituals and offerings to honor and appease the deities and spirits to all these different deities. Shamans, also known as Pakos, play a crucial role in the Quechua religion. They're spiritual leaders, healers, and intermediators between the human and spiritual realm. They also are the ones who conduct spiritual rituals, perform divinations, and offer guidance to the people. They also are the ones in charge of the festivals and ceremonies through their religious calendars through different times of the year. These events often coincide with significant agricultural or natural events, such as planting and harvesting season. Festivals include music, dance, different types of clothing, communal gatherings, feasting. They would just have a good old time, and they would do their different um traditional dances and celebrations. Yeah, that sounds amazing. They also believe in the ancestors. They continue to influence their lives and their destinations, and rituals are performed to honor and seek guidance from them. So that was all pre the Spanish. Mm -hmm. The good old days. So now we're going to talk about the Spanish and how they got there. The Spanish conquest of Bolivia, led by figures like Francisco Pizarro and Diego del Al Mangro, Mangro occurred in the early 16th century. The Quechua people, along with other indigenous groups, faced the devastating effects of European disease and the domination of Spanish rule. The Spanish colonial authorities exploited the indigenous populations for labor, particularly for any any darn reason they wanted. So it didn't even have to be a reason. It was just like, oh, we need a we need a hole dug over here. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do that. You want this? Oh, we're gonna get this yeah. because. Before the uh, the conquest of Bolivia, they destroyed the Incan Empire. Yeah. So they went over, destroyed the Incan Empire, who is who these people were under their control. This region was under their control. And then they start picking off the little groups. Well, during that time, they found out that there was this wonderful mountain that was said to have treasures. Oh. So if you guys remember anything about history, the Spanish, they wanted to go. They went to Mexico. And they fought with the indigenous people there, and they were looking for gold. Gold, <laughs> gold. They had gold fever. I'm a Spanish prospector. Gold. Oh, Francisco, you're you you do not got the voice pat down. We need to have a talk with you and uh, get you back on goes, track. And then he goes, "Hold on, let me fix this." And he goes, Dun. "Yeah." And he goes, I "Gold. We're looking for the gold of the Indians. <laughs> we got him back. He's back now." He's okay. And then he's all, whoa, there's gold in those hills. Ah, we got to stop this. They were looking for riches. That's why the Spanish were here. They thought, we're going to find everything. We're going to find riches. They found, quote unquote, primitive cultures. They can exploit them. They destroyed them. And the rest of them, they thought, you know what we can do? Oh, man, we can enslave them. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Again, I get the English were bad. I get it. They They weren't that great. But if you guys don't remember, the Spanish started everything. Why doesn't the Spanish get enough crap? I'm, that's what I'm upset because about. Because they made cool gold coins. 
that's uh, <laughs> no that's 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 mostly what i get upset about everyone's like oh look at the colonizers and every time i talk about colonizers I'm talking about england and i'm like there was others it wasn't just yeah them. um they didn't start it hey i get it i get it not siding with them but i think the spanish need to get more hate than what <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> Sorry. I mean, they literally took over how many indigenous people they created new, new cultures like the Mexicans. They created Mexicans by, by raping indigenous people to the point where the majority of Mexicans, they rely more on their Spanish heritage Mm -hmm. than their indigenous heritage. Yeah. Just had to go on a little rant because it's, it just bothers me so much. (laughs) So they created this system called Eco Mienda. It's where Spanish adventurers and settlers were granted the legal right to extract forced labor from indigenous tribal chiefs in the Americas colonies or in South America, any of the colonies of the Spanish empire. If you're under Spanish rule, they're able to incite this system. In return, the Europeans were expected to give military protection to the laborers and offer them the opportunity to be converted to Christianity by parish priests. Oh, they get the opportunity to be converted. You get the opportunity <laughs> to be converted. I'm telling you. Hey, they go, hey, here's what we're going to do here. Hey, uh, where's the little lady? Where's I, I'm selling vacuums. Where's the little lady? It's like, okay, we're not doing this right now. It's not the 50s. But they're going to do like a door-to-door salesman. They're like, oh, let me tell you what I'm going to do right here. See these coffee grounds? I'm going to pour them all over the carpet. And they start scraping. And we are like, what are you doing? And all this this handy-dandy vacuum right here. I'm going to sweep it all. Here's It's a carpet sweeper. It's not working. Oh, well, $49.95. This one's perfect for the missus. It comes in pink. <laughs> oh, gosh. So what they were doing was just saying, okay, so we're going to implement this system where you guys don't have a choice, but we're going to implement this system. It's our legal right by the Spanish empire. And because we conquered you, we're able to do this mm-hmm. and we're going to give you military protection from us. <laughs> Wait, what? You guys are the ones that are going to beat us. I know, I know, but we won't do it. It's called military protection. And in turn, you're going to work for us and we're allowing you to pray to the white Jesus. Cause the white Jesus is the right Jesus. <laughs> Can I get an amen? And that's what they did. Yeah. The system permitted the Spanish crown to convert its invading army of conquistadors into colonial settlers. But the system's flaws, maltreatment, and significant population reductions from disease meant that it eventually had to be replaced by a different system. Hmm. So this didn't really work very well because you're treating them like garbage, giving them horrible living conditions. All the people that that are working for you, not enslaved, because they didn't want to use the word slaved. So they weren't enslaved. But all those people, they start to die, and then all of a sudden, all you have is conquistadors. And if you guys don't understand what conquistador means, it means conqueror. Yeah. But they're not going to be called conquerors anymore. They're colonial settlers. See? Oh, see. We're going to flip it on them. Makes it better. Yeah. So the new system that was in place was a low-paid labor and large estate management. The Spanish Empire maintained two key objectives in conquered territories. Extract material wealth and convert the indigenous people to Christianity. Under the category of resources, the Spanish saw it fit to exploit the labor of any local people in the area. The encomenida was a term which derived from the verb ecomerda, meaning to entrust. In medieval Spain, it referred to the relationship between the landowner and those who worked on the land. In a reciprocal relationship, the former received labor while the latter received protection. 
This conquest was applied to land taken back from the Moors during the reconquesta and the colonization of the Canary Islands. Ecom Ienda was then extended to the America colonies in 1502 and a way to justify the amount to little more than slavery. In 1503, the policy received royal approval and it spread from the Caribbean to Mexico and Central America and then to South America as the conquerors or conquistadors used it as a mean to extract resources as a reward for the followers. So during this colonial period, the Quechua people in Bolivia, like all the other parts that I just talked about from Mexico, the Caribbean, all this stuff, they were subjected to forced labor, cultural assimilation, the imposition of uh, Christianity. Despite these challenges, they managed to preserve elements in their culture by blending traditional beliefs with Christian practices. This period reflected in various aspects of their culture, including religious and festivals and art. So during all that time, they were just a terror and just took over completely. So during this time, like you're talking about forced labor, well, forced labor, what they were doing is they were moving to this wonderful mountain that they found that was said to be full of silver because that's what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. Silver and gold, riches. (laughs) They found this amazing mountain and they had it dug out by indigenous people. And they also would take Caribbean people and enslave them in this system of low paying exploitation. So it's, it's, it, they enslave them. Oh, we'll just call it what so it is. It was enslavement. More enslaved. So on their way here, they're like, let's pass the Caribbean. Let's pick up some of those folks. Yeah. And then let's come through here. And then we're going to take the regular, the people that are here, the um, indigenous people, we're going to have them work together. We're going to talk to them about the, the love of the Lord. As we beat the crap out of them, let them die in this mountain. And then we're going to tell them that there was this horrific reason why they died. And it's because there was a deal that was going to get you. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what Jesus would do. If I know anything about Jesus, I know that he would do something like that. He'll sick a deal on you. He will. (laughs) And then, oh no, a deal. There he is. Ha ha. (laughs) So after the post-colonial era, Bolivia gained its independence from Spain, um, from the Spanish colonial rule. In the early 19th century. So in the 1800s, that's when they barely uh, got their, uh, got rid of the Spanish. Mm-hmm. However, the post-independence era did not bring immediate relief for indigenous communities because the indigenous people continued to face social and economical inequalities and their land rights were often disregarded because it's the same thing like it was here. Well, we're going to, we're going to free ourselves from the, from the British, and then everyone's like, yay. And the, then the indigenous people are like, well, that didn't do anything for us. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. Still- <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, but Jesus said that this is my land. So get up before I shoot you in the face. Uh, so it took all the way to the 1990s. Man. So this is uh, 33 years ago. That's insane. Older than you. Yeah. By one year. Older than me. The indigenous peoples of the lowlands led a march for territory and dignity with the aim to reclaim the rights to land and territory. With the approval of the new political constitution of the state in 2009, it took them all the way to 2009. So they marched in 1990. They got promises and it didn't happen until 2009. The approval of a new constitution was in place. Bolivia has seen significant changes in its political landscape with several indigenous leaders holding important positions in government. Evo Morales, an indigenous person, served as the president of Bolivia from 2006 to 2019. His presidency marked a shift towards greater representation and recognition of indigenous rights 
I'm a little, I'm one of those weird people about representation. Mm -hmm. I have a different idea of what representation should look like. I think representation in this sense doesn't mean someone who looks like me. It means representation as in political government should be representing you like taxation without representation. Right. It's a representative that has your interests at heart. However, with this person being indigenous, he's, he was more on the side of, well, Hey, in 1990, they were marching. Nothing happened but other than false promises. Now, in this side, now you have someone who's going to represent you for your taxes. Mm-hmm. So taxation with representation. Bolivia adopted a new constitution in, uh, that recognized the country as a plurinational state. This is like, this is different. The constitution aimed to empower indigenous communities, acknowledge their diverse cultures, languages, and risk to self-determination. The Constitution established the legal framework for indigenous anonymity, allowing indigenous communities to create their own self-governing entities known as indigenous autonomous governments. Hmm. Well, it took them 200 years. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But, I mean, now these people have their way to create their own self-governments, which is, I mean, that's 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 amazing. But. There's a whole thing with Evo Morales. He got ostracized. He left the country. He got banished from the country out after he lost his election. Oh, man. And then he just came back. There's a whole political. I got into it and I was like, I don't have time to talk about all this. <laughs> but it's a little insane. So they finally have some kind of representation. The Constitution changed, giving them the ability to self-govern. And this means like like reservation, not like somewhat like reservation, like like federally recognized tribes in the U.S., how they can self-govern, mm-hmm. this was kind of leaning towards that way, oh, right? Okay, yeah. It doesn't mean that they're going to be these separate entities that there's a whole, I mean, it's a whole thing. Provisions grant indigenous communities the authority to manage their own affairs and to make decisions regarding their land, resources, culture, and development. They have the right to their ancestral lands and territories. Indigenous autonomy often involves control over land use, resource management, and decision making related to the developmental projects on their territory. So they were giving some they were giving some of their land back. Mm-hmm. And in that land, they're able to make whatever whatever choices they want. So they have complete land rights where if a company wants to come in and chop down trees, they need to make a decision to say if you're going to take our resources, if they're going to mine, drill. Um, do whatever they're going to do. It's a yes or no from their um, indigenous community. Yeah, that's great. It also extends to matters of culture and language. Communities have the right to promote and preserve their cultural heritage, which in the past they did not, including traditional practices, language, and their own education system. So this is insane that in 2009, dude, 2009. Yeah, that's not that long ago at all. <laughs> that's that's nuts. I already did six years in the military by that time. <laughs> I'll start my second part of my life. And they were just now getting, um, getting, being able to practice their own heritage and, and culture and, and language and education system. Yeah, that's insane. Indigenous autonomous governments have their own governing structures, which include electing representatives and traditional leaders. These structures provide indigenous communities with the means to participate in and influence decision-making processes at the local level. And if you guys don't think local politics matter, local politics matter more than the big, giant, stupid presidential election crap, because local politics is where everything starts from. Yeah. So if you control your own community... I mean, everything else is just kind of crazy, but at least you can control one thing in your life, and that's your local community. These people have that capability. 
They have their own customary laws and systems of justice that are recognized within the framework of the, of the national legal system. This recognition allows for the resolution of disputes and conflicts according to their indigenous traditions. They can also, it also encompasses the ability to shape, develop policies that align with their cultural values and environmental uh, sustainable goals. Bolivia has enacted laws and policies aimed at protecting indigenous rights, such as the law of rights of Mother Earth and the law against racism and all forms of discrimination. It looks like right now they're on an uptick. They're on an upswing. These people have, I mean, they've, they've been through a lot of stuff and now they're finally getting the recognition they deserve. And they're being able to have, and this is all indigenous people. That's what's really amazing about this. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Quechua people. There's a lot of different indigenous tribes in Bolivia. This is just simply one of the larger, there's, what is it? There's a two larger ones. One is the Quechua people and one is the Amara people. And those are the largest groups. However, there are, what does it say? It says native Bolivians with indigenous ancestry are 70% of the population. Wow, wow, that's a lot. 40 to 70% of the population. Even 40%. Uh, yeah. So there's 36 different indigenous groups, and they're just all throughout the rainforests, the Andes. They're all over the place. And the 1991 Bolivian government signed the Indigenous and Tribal Peoples Convention, which was the big thing that happened in the 90s. And then in, finally... In 2009, they finally got what they needed. Yeah, it took a long time, but I mean, they're doing a lot better than they were back then. They got their some of their in 2015. Back. Oh yeah, in 2015, they also made history by selecting the first indigenous president of the Supreme Court of Justice. Oh, cool. There's a lot of indigenous people there, so for them to actually start to get a chance to be leaders and to have people understand. Because it, I mean, it's going to take generations, guys. Yeah. Like, don't think that, don't just get upset and sit in the corner and sulk. Because a lot of people are uneducated on the situation. And a lot of people don't understand. Like, oh, I was so, we're watching, rewatching uh, Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm rewatching it. Um, and Kristen's watching it for the first time. Oh, cool. And there's the episode, I don't, it's like the second or third episode where they're, there's like the, the opening scene is, um, they're driving. It's two older white people driving. Oh yeah, and they see the and land it's, back. Uh, it's one. It says land back, mm-hmm. and he goes, "What do you think that means?" And she goes, "Well, I reckon they want their land back." And he goes, "Well, all of it." So there's no way we can give them all, all of it back. <laughs> well, it was theirs. And he goes, "Yeah, but like, there's, yeah, there's no way we could give it all them all back. Like it's, but it's the thought. That's the thought process, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this is generations and generations of of." of just indoctrination, false history, the victors, you know, the, was it history is history is created by the victors. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing awareness to all these things. It really helps people out and let them understand. And these people finally have somewhat of a, of justice after being under the Spanish control for so long, yeah. but a lot of their culture is lost. And a lot of them are, have converted to Christianity because I mean, hundreds of years of the same religion. Yeah, your great, your great, it changes. Great grandmother, your grandmother, and then it just passed. It's like that's what that's what they know. That's what they were born into. Yeah, I'm telling you guys. Like I've told people before, I'm like, hey, um, the U.S. Uh, or not the U.S. but the the Spanish, the if you want to call them the colonizers, let's say, mm-hmm. 
when the colonizers arrived, they had a goal and they achieved that damn goal. Oh, like yeah, they, they were like, man, they have the master plan. So if you guys are running a company and you executed the plan as well as them, you guys would be like <laughs> super billionaires because they were like, how do we do this? How do we get rid of them? How do we assimilate them, assimilate them? And then how do we get them to forget about their culture? Right. To, and then to, believe that we are the ones that are helping yeah, them to where their children's children, children, like it just, it just goes down to, like you said, it takes generations. It's crazy. It takes generations. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. That's why when all this weird stuff comes up about kids in the U S and, and you have all these political figures who are like, Oh, well we know what's best for children. I'm like, no, you no, don't, you do no, not. you don't because I don't trust you. I don't trust you because <laughs> you go after the children first and then, cause you're trying to erase the generations before them. Now I don't care what your political stance is. I don't trust the government. No. So when they say something, I'm like, nope, don't believe you. And I'm going to take my kids far away from you because they're going to have my values and they're going to have my beliefs and they're going to have um, my cultural. They're going to have our heritage. We're going to pass this down to them. Like grandpa used to say, nope, I'm not going to be on a list because that means they're going to be able to find you. <laughs> I don't want no opportunity to be involved with you, Mr. Government. Yeah, He said, if your name's on a list from the government, then they could do it again. Grandpa was like, nope. Not happening to me. It's crazy. Grumpy old guy, <laughs> but it was awesome. He was a happy guy. He just don't like the government, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. So that's the first part of part two of El Tio. We're in Bolivia, guys. We'll post some real cool pictures about Bolivia. So you guys hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I didn't want to get too far into detail because there's so much about these people that I can't really get into all of it. Um, I, I did. I did want to cover. Um, I did want to cover the second part of the Spanish conquering mm. because that goes into big into next episode. Yeah. But I also wanted to talk about their landscape because it's an amazing landscape. When we post pictures and go, Whoa, that's kind of crazy. Like I want to go there now. Mm -hmm. I want to go there and just check it out because these terrorist systems, how they cut out mountains and stuff. And you think about, they did this in like the 1300s. I want to learn to do that in my backyard. Gosh, that's crazy <laughs> with, with just primitive tools. Like they didn't have like, Big old giant cutting. So, yeah, they didn't have all that. No, they just had their nope. hands and their sticks spit and their moxie and their grit. <laughs> yeah. They didn't complain about nothing. And all you kids with your iPhones and your your MacBook Juniors and your <laughs> and your iPads. <laughs> Bunch of sissies. Bunch of spoiled brats. <laughs> But we love you guys. No, I'm still similar. I'm like, oh, man, my internet went out. Oh, oh no. man. <laughs> now I can't type. Oh, geez, guys. Oh, geez. <laughs> so I hope you guys like this episode. I really wanted to get into that stuff. I really wanted to get into Spanish stuff. And next week, you're going to find out what happens with El Dio and the rest of the Spanish and how these people are still haunted today by that creature. Mm -hmm. It's so nuts. He's still around. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So if you like this episode, please tell somebody that you know. Say, hey, follow these guys on um, they're on Spotify, Apple. We're on all the things. Go you can just all the major things. Yeah, you can just Google us and all our stuff pops up too. Google me. <laughs> you can Google us, actually. You can listen yeah, to Google us on us. Google. You can. It's pretty cool. Yeah, just Google us. All of our stuff's on there. 
And you can, if you want to leave a review, it really helps us out. So if you do listen on Google or any of those other places, leave a review, leave a five-star rating, screenshot it, send it to info at behillnetwork.com with your mailing address and your alias in the United States and Canada. And we will shoot you out some stickers Mm -hmm. as a little thank you for doing that. And also find it, you know, go ahead and go on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at indigenous underscore tales. That's a, we have a bunch of our social media stuff up there, all of our pictures and all the other videos clips of the show so every time you listen to us we post something yeah. so you're like, i'm listening so I post. <laughs> so we have 10 million things up there because that's something no, I'm yes. just <laughs> after every episode we post stuff from the show so you can see what we're talking about if we did miss you through getting a sticker please please bear with us i know some people slip through the cracks and if it's been a while since you got a sticker um we didn't we'll make sure you get one when we are able to send them out just please bear with us yeah, I'm gonna have to. I think I'm, I might create a new email address just for stickers. Like, like I don't know. I might do something. We need a different way because mm-hmm. everything goes to one email address, the info at beaglenetwork.com, and I flag it. But sometimes I don't like. Yeah, some. I, don't I mean, know. sometimes people slip through the cracks. We're trying our best. Yeah, so please bear with us. And it's free. So if you get it like today, tomorrow, or two weeks from now, like, hey, it's free, dude. Yeah, and we're doing our best. And we have day jobs, and now I'm making excuses. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, guys. Now I feel bad. Oh, See, I'm sorry. I know. I feel bad. <laughs> it was sporadically we do giveaways on our Instagram and TikTok. We just we just had one, um, and mm-hmm. you know we give away shirts and hoodies and all kinds of stuff. So if you guys would follow us on there, you guys can find all that cool stuff. Maybe be a lucky winner. You can check out our merch store and see what you could potentially win, or actually to see what is available. You want to purchase? We have. We have quite a lot of stuff. We have sales and discounts. Yeah, we have all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff. Shirts, uh, hoodies, all kinds of things at indigenoustales.threadless.com. Yep. So go ahead and check that out. You can go to our link tree that's on our social media. Click on there and then mm-hmm. boom, it is there. We hope that you guys celebrated or did something or learned something new about indigenous people, land, language, problems, because on August 9th of every year, it is indigenous world's indigenous people's day. International. It is the international day of world's indigenous people from the United Nations. So this is all indigenous people throughout the entire world. There's all kinds of things going on. I'm sure we're, we, uh, if you follow us on Instagram or mm-hmm. TikTok, we're going to post stuff about it, but we want everyone to know that it is international day of the world's indigenous people on August 9th. So I think that's a Wednesday, right? Yeah. So until next time, I'm Joseph and I'm Gabriel. You'll be remembered by the tracks you leave and remain close to the great spirit. International (laughs) Day of World's Indigenous People. That's too many words. That's a long one. Say it again. El what? El Tio. El Tio. Oh, El Tio. (laughs) No. Bye. He's the same person. If you're not spiritually connected to the earth and understand the spiritual reality of how to live a 